the lines and we're up to our sixth video. Um, sorry about yesterday, I got a little bit animated and I went on so long I actually had to edit myself in post-production. Can you imagine? Actually shutting myself up. What? That's a first. Anyway, um, I just had to get the video under eight minutes because no one needs to listen to me for longer than eight minutes and uh, I'll, I'll try never to inflict myself on you for that length of time ever again, okay? There's a promise to you. Um, but today we're going to think about the phrase, God rested. Yesterday, thinking about behold, it was very good. Today, we're thinking about God rested. Um, can you rest? Are you able to rest? Uh, is, is there an off switch for you? And do you know how to flick the off switch? And do you do it? Or are you always on? There's a phrase people sometimes use when they talk about work and rest. They say, uh, do you live to work or do you work to live? Uh, and it's the idea, you know, do you live to work, i.e. do you pour the best bits of yourself into your 9 to 5 existence or your 8 to 6 existence or whatever, whatever sort of work schedule you have? Do you pour the best of yourself into your workplace or do you work to earn a crust to go out and flourish and thrive in the world in other ways? What do you do? Do you live to work or do you work to live? And we all know what the right answer to that question is. We're meant to work to live. And yet the testimony of our lives can often say something different. So often we just find ourselves pouring ourselves into work because at work it's very easy to prove myself. It's very easy to establish a righteousness of my own, uh, which is the sort of language that the Apostle Paul would use in the New Testament, um, that essentially means it's, it's, it's a way of bigging myself up at work. At work, it's very tangible and obvious that I am producing, that I am performing, that I am proving myself. And when you produce and perform and prove, you feel better about yourself. And if you're asked to rest, you have to lay the performing, producing side of yourself to one side. And you need to just be in relationship with God and others. And so often we don't really know how to do that. And so we don't flick the off switch. Instead, we keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. What's the answer? I think these verses from Genesis chapter 2 will give us the right perspective, because we see that, yes, God works, but God rests as well. Genesis chapter 2, let me read from verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work that he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. It's amazing, isn't it? If we ask God the question, do you live to work or do you work to live? Um, actually, God gives us a surprising answer because we might, if, we might expect that God lives to work. We might expect that God basically is his job description and he's constantly on and he never rests and he's always performing, producing, providing, proving himself. Is that, is that the truth? No, actually, in these verses we see that God finishes the work he's been doing. He rests from that work. He blesses that rest, that Sabbath. And uh, he stops doing the work that he had been doing. Now, isn't that interesting? I think, I think that's very interesting because we assume that God basically is his job description. 
I was reading this uh, debate uh, between Ruth Gledhill, who at the time was the uh, Times uh, religious affairs correspondent. Uh, Ruth Gledhill was debating Richard Dawkins. Uh, Stephen Hawking had just come out with a book called The Grand Design, and it was all about, you know, we don't need a creator. The universe, you know, just creates itself, which is a, a stunningly ridiculous uh, self-contradiction, really. Creates itself. Anyway, um, they were having this debate, Ruth Gledhill and, and Richard Dawkins, and... Um, during the debate, uh, Ruth Gledhill uh, said this. She, she said to Dawkins, could there be another role for a deity beyond creation, beyond that of creator? And uh, very revealingly, Richard Dawkins responded and he said, I can't even imagine what that would mean. Isn't that telling? See, the God that Richard Dawkins has rejected is a God who is always on, a God who is always working, a God who is always, you know, oiling the gears and pulling the levers and, you know, at work doing the providence thing, doing the creation thing, making sure creation is doing its stuff. He's always at work. And, and Richard Dawkins cannot even imagine a God beyond the Creator. And yet, what did we learn on day one? What we learned on day one is that in the beginning, God was not working. In the beginning, the Father was loving His Son in the joy of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, there was rest. Rest in relationship. For all eternity, God has not been a creator. In eternity past, God was not in manufacture. Okay? He moved into manufacture in later life. Okay? But fundamentally, He is the God of rest and relationship. And yes, he creates, and he works hard at creating, and for those six days, he works, he works, he works, he works, he works. But that work is not an end in itself. It is heading towards rest. And so on day seven, he blesses this day of rest. And he's basically saying, you know what? Work is not this endless grindstone that goes around and around and around. Work is actually an arrow that's pointing somewhere. It's going towards consummation. And he works to live. He works towards that blessed rest. And it's true in the New Testament as well. When God the Son comes in the flesh, He works. He works really hard. He works, He works, He works, He works, He works with blood, sweat and tears. And then on that Good Friday, which is the sixth day, isn't it? Good Friday is the sixth day because day one is Sunday. And so Friday is day six. And on the, at the very end of the sixth day, what does Jesus say? At the end of all that blood, sweat and tears, all that toil, what does he say? He says, it is finished. And on the seventh day, he rests in the tomb. And on the eighth day, he lives forevermore. This is the way with the living God. And if we get this vision for who God is, a God who eternally is a God at rest in relationship, who does work, but that work is meant to point towards a blessed rest in relationship. If we get that vision, then maybe we'll start to work in the right kind of way. Do you live to work or do you work to live? Let's think again about this God, this God of ours who, yes, works hard. He works very hard, but he works so that we might live, live in blessed rest, live in blessed relationship. And today you might have to go to work. That's cool. Work is a good thing. But today you don't even have to wait for the weekend in order to rest. Jesus has done the work. He's worked so that you can live. And today he says to you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.